0: Hello and welcome to the In the Pen Podcast, a podcast about relievers. Part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jake Crumpler, and as always, I'm joined by Pitcherless bullpen expert, expert Rick Graham. <laughs> Rick, how you
1: doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, I've been better. I'm battling a little bit of a cold here oh, this man. week, but uh, yeah, hanging in there. Uh, got the rankings out this week. Got a lot yeah. of stuff going on at Pitcherless this week. Uh, it's been very. Very busy, but um, yeah, it's exciting. You know, Super Bowls this weekend, and then after that, it's all baseball.
0: Yeah, uh, be I guess before we turn to baseball, who are you rooting for? And there is a right answer.
1: <laughs> um, there isn't, as I don't really like either of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Yeah, I, I I would if I had if you had to if I had to pick someone, I would say San Francisco. Yeah, I, I think that's. I'm with you on that thank you
0: yeah i I could not You're care not football less about fan. Football. I, yeah no. <laughs> I could not care less, but hey if uh if a barrier team's gonna be in it, I'm gonna root for them um yeah, so i I will be having a super bowl party.
1: What about you? uh not sure yet um tr- probably not gonna do too much for it. I might have a couple people over to watch, but yeah, it's not. It's not like it used to be. I don't know. The this isn't. This game isn't getting me too excited. Not gonna lie.
0: You're, sound, you're sounding old, Rick. It's not, not how it was back it's, in the day.
1: I, yeah, I, I. don't know. It's. I'll watch it, but yeah, I'm not too too uh, psyched up for it.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure it'll be fine, but, you know, it will not stack up even close to baseball. But yeah, you mentioned that you released your rankings, and this is a big week over at Pitcher List as we have all of the rankings, including Rick's relief pitcher rankings, closers, uh, holds options, um, just all of the relievers in one ranking. Nick's top 400 starting pitchers. Is Scott coming out with his hitter list as well?
1: The hitters came out. Today, awesome. uh, February 8th, yeah, they came out uh, today at some point. So yeah, right. I think hitters, pitchers, so starters and relievers are all are all out. And I know we have some more. We have, you know, sleepers, busts, uh, mm-hmm. late round targets, all that type of, you know, that type of thing coming out later as well.
0: Yeah. So an influx of content over at Pitcherless, and it's it's really sort of the mark of the offseason coming to a close and fantasy baseball draft season beginning and i'm super pumped for that i've been working on my rankings for the past couple of weeks and uh you know pumping out the articles as well so now is things now is when things really get serious uh but since you released your rankings that is what we're going to be talking about today and before we do that though we're going to discuss the transactions from the past couple of weeks since we recorded two weeks ago on the 25th we'll be Talking about everything that's happened since then, and we've actually the, the last podcast was named Relief Pitcher uh, Free Agent Frenzy or whatever, um, and we've sort of had the same amount. This week like was I, I, busy I,
1: too. Yeah, yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> it's 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 weird though because I felt like in the past they used all the relievers used to sign first, right? Yeah, and now it's we're in a situation where all the relievers are signing later. Maybe it's because well, they are are sort of understanding their value that they can earn more if they
1: wait. It might still I mean, look at the position players still available, look at the starters still available. I mean, there's still some guys out there so it's it's still I feel like the reliever I there's like the the good relievers, the the you know, guaranteed roster spot relievers have already have signed now, but there's still, you know, starters are still out there. Uh guys, you know, position players are still out there so it's um everything's just just kind of moved back in the past couple of years to where like January is like the new November almost for, Mm -hmm. you know, free agent signings.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I'm trying to see, but I really don't think there are that many top relievers left out there. It's like Scott Alexander and Brad hand, um, Ryan Stanick. Yeah. It it really seems like, (laughs) yeah, he's, he's probably the last (laughs) good one. And he had 0.1 war last year. Uh, Liam Hendricks, I guess is still out there. Um. Yeah. Not there's sure. yeah. There, there's a couple interesting guys, Alex Reyes. Um. But th- they're not going to be super fantasy relevant or you know be fetching massive deals or anything. So we're sort of wrapping up that era of all the relievers signing uh, over the past month or so. So now we can sort of wrap it up here with uh, the last group of relievers that have signed contracts or been traded, but. I think uh, we should just jump right into it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh let's do it. Yeah, there's a lot to get through here still. And um, yeah, let's get let's let's get to them. All right. Yep. We'll start off with the Mets re
0: signing Adam Otavino to a one year four and a half million dollar dollar deal. This one was really funny because he at the start of the offseason had declined a six point seven five million dollar player option to test the waters of free agency to try to earn more money. Not only did he not earn more money, he earned less money, but he also just went back to his previous team. So if it was a situation, because I had read that he had said that he declined it because he wasn't sure where the Mets were going, um, in terms of being competitive in 2024 and he wanted to test the waters elsewhere. And it's crazy to then just go back to the team that you were trying to leave for that reason. And for more than $2 million less, pretty rough. He fits pretty well with this bullpen. Uh, We already know sort of how he works in there. How do you feel about him as a setup option for Edwin Diaz?
1: Yeah, I mean, he—it's pretty much bringing back the same, you know, trio that went in last year of Autovino Diaz and and Rayleigh. I, you know, his skills have definitely declined, and he's not. You know, the same strikeout guy he used to be, but he he still did a pretty good job last year of, you know, he was still limiting hard contact contact with a 28.4% ICR, uh, thir- thir- 317 ex-Wobacon. Um, you know, it's just, I- I'm surprised he only got 4.5 million. I thought someone else would, or at least another team that's like in contention would, would be interested here. But um, mm-hmm. the Mets bullpen and they made. I mean, how many moves did they make that we're about to talk about? Because they just kind of had a flurry of yeah, of you know, interesting additions of you know, upside veterans who you know they're just taking. They're kind of just throwing darts at their bullpen. And I, it's it's I get it. I I, I respect it. But um, you should definitely be one of those holds options with uh, the other guys that we're going to talk about later on.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like the low price tag is a product of him being 38 in 2024 and then also yeah. having posted the lowest strikeout minus walk percentage of his career outside of 2017 when he was pitching for the Rockies 12.6% this past year that's really not good Um, and it's like his, his strikeout rate plummeted his walk rate jumped super high so if that's sort of pretending what's going to happen in the future as he gets older it's uh probably probably didn't do well for him in free agency but i feel like he could still be fine
1: yeah he's he's not the guy he used to be but um he he had i would say he had a successful season last year and you know he, he had to fill in for for diaz and a lot and he only had 12 saves but he was you know for most of the year we were talking about him as their closer um You know, the whip was a little high, but the ERA was still three point two one. I think you know you're you're gonna get. He's not a strikeout guy anymore, but he's he's still an effective reliever, and you know, he'll he'll give them he'll get he'll you know be back in the holds column a lot next year.
0: Nice. The next move we had was the Cubs signing Hector Neris to a one-year $9 million deal. There's a $9 million club option that vests into a player option if he reaches 60 appearances, which is all but guaranteed given that he has done that for each of the past three years. And uh, you can say four years if you discount 2020. He's he's actually been 70 appearances or more over the last three years. So he is uh, probably going to get that vesting into a player option and there are also additional incentives as well as the combination of that option that could max the deal out at two years and 23.25 million but this is a guy that was looking for wasn't he looking for like 45 million dollars at the beginning of the offseason
1: i believe he the original number was three years 50 million
0: oh my gosh <laughs> yeah that's crazy he he uh, really missed out on that one but i think he lands in a good situation where the cubs really needed at least one more guy to add to that late inning uh, group. And Naris is now probably the top setup guy there battling with Julian Merriweather. And there's a possibility that he gets a few saves next year if Alzheimer sure. doesn't live up to expectations or he gets injured and maybe Julian Mer- Merriweather takes a step back. Hector Naris is definitely the most trustworthy option, I'd say, in that pen.
1: Yeah, I think even, I think given especially he's got closer experience, I, I, I think he does become the next in line behind Azalei. And I don't even... I mean, I, I still i am leaning towards Azalei being the closer opening day, but I don't think it would be that surprising if Naris was the closer here. Um, You know, Azalei doesn't have a ton of experience there. And he was good last year, but he's by no means, you know, an elite closer. So... I think with Neris, um, you know, a Cubs fan shouldn't be expecting the 1.75 ERA or no. 1.05 whip that he had last year. He still misses bats at a good rate and, you know, doesn't give up a ton of hard contact. But, uh, you know, last year's numbers did come with a 4.45 XFIP and a career low two 219 BABIP. So there's going to be there's going to be some negative regression here. Um, you know, he's been a frustrating guy in the past. I I don't think I don't know if he goes all the way back to his you know Phillies days where he was a home run machine. Hopefully mm-hmm. not. So um, he should be you know I I, I still like Merriweather there and Ausley a little bit better. Um, but I think Naris given his experience for saves leagues, it he does make some sense like as a late late round flyer in deeper leagues. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just uh, only throw him when it's not windy or the wind's not <laughs> blowing out in yeah. Chicago, and I think they, they should be fine. But that's that's back-to-back sort of interesting deals dollar-wise uh, in mm-hmm. terms of Adovino. You know, <laughs> missing out on two million dollars, and Nerys not really living up to expectations. So then we can move over and re- sort of remain in that same realm. As the Padres signed Wandy Peralta to a four-year, $16. <laughs> sixteen and a half million dollar deal, in which Wandy can opt out after every single season. This guy will be thirty-two next year. Um, absolutely wild when I saw that. Not only the four years for uh, somebody who I- I've never considered to be an elite relief option a solid one but n- not somebody that I would give four years out to and then the, the fact that, that he had so much leverage that he can opt out after every year is so crazy but I mean it, it's fair given that across the past four seasons he's had a 3.01 ERA in 188 innings and he was solid again last year despite his walk rate climbing to yeah. uh, near career high 13.2% but he will go to a Padres bullpen that has really added a ton of options this offseason: Matsui, uh, De Los Santos, uh, Wusak Go, and then now Wani Peralta. Do you think Peralta is going to be a guy that you can count on for, uh, 15 to 20 holds or because he's, you know, not the top left-handed option there. Maybe he's left out of the holds conversation a little bit.
1: Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. he's not the top option if we are saying it's Matsui. Mm-hmm. Is he even the second best option there with Cosgrove? I mean yeah, those guys how are a feel about him. those guys are a toss. I mean, I've never been yeah, Peralta doesn't do it's it's a first of all, yeah, it's a very it's a very interestingly constructed yeah. uh contract. I Yeah, I mean the, all the opt outs, I guess it, it, it it's kind of it doesn't really hurt them. It doesn't hurt the Padres. Um you know, only $4 million a year. That's sure. Uh, that's it's worth a shot, but yeah, he, I mean the nine point, I mean his K to walk rates every year are just gross. Um, you know, he had one year with a whip under 1.2. Um, it, it, there's just, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of risk here. I don't, he, he does find a way to keep his ERA down to, despite all of these, you know, issues. He does get a lot of ground balls. he does, find a way to work out of jams but um yeah i i just i'm not really i don't i have him outside my top 100 for holds i kind of out on him um been out on him for a while it's it's just it's too much risk with how many balls in play he, he allows And the
0: walks. (laughs) Yeah, definitely an interesting deal. Um, We'll do one more before we hit break. And that was the Brewers trading Corbin Burns to the Orioles. Doesn't seem like a move that would fit on this podcast, but I did want to mention part of the Brewers return. They got Joey Ortiz, D.L. Hall, and a uh, first-round competitive balance pick. D.L. Hall was set to be – what I deemed a, an interesting sleeper breakout candidate for the Orioles bullpen, a guy that I thought maybe even had a chance to push Craig Kimbrell for, for saves down the stretch, depending on how Kimbrell performed. But now he goes to Milwaukee. Do you think he's going to move to the bullpen or, or, or remain in the bullpen? Or do you think he's going to move to the rotation?
1: So, I mean, right now what roster resource has, they have him as the, the fifth starter and it does, yeah, it probably makes sense for them to to give him a chance, one more chance yeah. at starting games, um, especially with how even, I mean, Jacob Junis is, con- is currently their SP3 here. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Col- yeah, I mean, there there's, you know, Joe Ross uh, isn't much of competition. So, yeah, yeah I, I, he probably ends up starting the year as a starter. But I mean, you think about like the if he were to move to the bullpen, how good this bullpen could be like mm-hmm. one through seven. Oh, oh, man. I mean, the and even if they move Devin Williams, like, I, I feel like, I mean, it's kind of cliche because, he, you know, Josh Hader was there, but DL Hall could hey. be kind of their Josh Hader. <laughs> I'm it's, on the same page. And, he, you know, guy who came over, he, didn't, well, he was originally from Baltimore and left handed starter turn reliever. I'm just Long saying. Hair. Long hair. Yeah, it's I mean, he was so good out of the bullpen for them down the stretch for the Orioles last year down the stretch and and even in the playoffs. So there's always the fallback option for him to be a dominant reliever. So, you know, there's no reason to to just like, you know, put him in the bullpen for good down and give him a chance to start. But if things don't get off to a great start in the first couple months, I I could see him in the bullpen down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I'm I th- completely on the same page there. The comps to Josh Hader, I think, are completely fair given the the kind of stuff he's dealing with and how he pitched down the stretch last year, and just you know uh, the, the failed starter, turn reliever, lefty. Yeah, I, I think it, it all makes sense. So I would love to see him back in the bullpen, but I really do think he could be a dominant starter. I'm just excited to see what the Brewers can do with him because their their pitching development is
1: incredible. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the big thing too, especially. I mean, not so much in the rotation recently, but uh, the bullpen—they have just been churning guys, churning guys yeah. out left and right. That—that's a big reason why they're gonna that's gonna make or break their their them this year. That that pitching, that rotation, you know, outside of Peralta is very shaky, but the the bullpen could keep them in in some games and keep keep them kind of interesting for a while. I think for sure.
0: And we're going to continue to talk about more offseason transactions from the past couple of weeks, but first we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham on in the pen, talking about relievers and more specifically reliever transactions from the past couple of weeks. We've talked about some of the big ones from the beginning of that timeline. And we're moving to the middle here as the Mets signed Jake Diekman to a one-year $4 million deal. It comes with a $4 million club option that vests if he reaches 58 appearances and I'll, I'll you know, link these two together. They also signed Shintaro Fujinami to a one-year $3.25 million deal with $850,000 worth of incentives. So they were pretty busy the past couple of weeks signing both of those guys um, very close to each other after re-signing Adam Montevino. So how are you feeling about this New Look Mets bullpen? I, I, it was really awful last year, and I think now with Diaz back and some more depth here, it's actually somewhat intriguing.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, Diekman and, and Fujinami, uh, they definitely lengthened it out a little bit where you don't have to turn to, you know, Drew Smith for big innings. Um, you know, Fujinami, hopefully, I he showed glimpses last year where, like, oh, okay, this guy's going to be a dominant reliever, and, and it just never really – there was never a stretch. There wasn't a long enough stretch where you're, like, really could buy into that. Um Deekman on the other hand i mean the numbers overall from last year might not look great but when he got to to tampa he, he was a different guy uh, you know what we know how Tampa bay you know can change guys so
0: yeah do you want those um, numbers yeah he had a yeah 2.18 era with a 28.6 percent strikeout rate
1: yeah so that's you know if he takes those those changes and, and you know applies them here then that's Yeah, all of a sudden you're looking at you know four or five guys you can really trust in this bullpen, and even I I forgot they signed Jorge Lopez in December. It's it's such a funny bullpen. It's just like guys who are interesting names that if you know I think they're just hoping at least like two or three of them kind of stick and Mm -hmm. they hit on two or two or three, and then you know figure it out from there. But um, yeah, very you know interesting not young guys but still like upside guys you know if, mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's, it's yeah, not, yeah that
0: that's exactly what i was thinking it's like high risk high reward and usually yeah. you you have that with young guys
1: but this is high risk high <laughs> reward old <laughs> like guys 30 plus year olds yeah so um we'll see even like a guy like i mean like like phil bickford had some interesting metrics for for a bit last year it, mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting bullpen yeah well We'll we'll see. I know there's there's some people out there who are now starting to buy back into the Mets being contenders this year. So, uh, we'll, we'll I see. I Yeah, I know. We'll yeah. see the lineup. If they if they sign <laughs> there, there's a JD shot. Martinez, then all right, like maybe maybe something's going on. There here. are
0: lots of playoff spots now. I, like anything is possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But. I, I'm pumped to see Fujinami sort of go to a, a different organization. I, I don't, wouldn't consider the Mets like a big pitching development organization, but I, I think Fujinami's got a ton of potential. Obviously, 100-mile-per-hour fastball, mid-90s splitter is absolutely mm. crazy. But if you combine the final 15-and-a-third that he pitched with Oakland – And the time that he pitched for the Orioles, which is 45 innings, he had a 420 ERA with a 350 FIP, a 1.13 whip and a 26.3% strikeout rate and a sub 9% walk rate. Not like numbers that are going to blow you away, but they're very solid. And considering the kind of stuff that he's working with there, there's always going to be potential for more. So I I wouldn't be a guy that I would be drafting super heavily in a safe plus holds league, but he is very interesting.
1: Yeah. That's definitely someone to keep out on, keep an eye out on just to see, see what happens in spring. We'll see what his stuff looks like as control. If any, you know, the Velo doesn't really need any help, but you know, just definitely got to keep an eye out for uh, the spring. See how that Mets Mm -hmm. bull bullpen kind of, you know what the pecking order looks like there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he'll, he'll be like one more year used to pitching in yep. the United States. And yeah, yeah, the whole transition, they, they tried him as a starter in Oakland. I, I think just some more solidity in terms of role and, and
1: situation should help him, but we'll go I from, just, go ahead. I was just saying, I also wonder, I don't know if there's any, you know, if it helps at all, but like just being with, you know, Kode, being with Senga, being with another sure. you know Japanese pitcher who mm-hmm. had success last year. Maybe he, you know, picks up on, picks up on some things from him.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. I didn't even consider that at all. I love that. Yeah. Um, but we'll go from one interesting bullpen to one that has also made a lot of moves this offseason. and eh, Maybe not a lot, a couple, uh, We'll go to the Cardinals bullpen as they signed Keenan Middleton to a one-year, five million dollars deal. It comes with a six million dollars club option that has a one million dollars buyout, so he's guaranteed six million dollars. But he could be there for a couple of years, and he enters a bullpen that I really like the look of. It's it's pretty interesting. It's nobody that's going to blow your socks off out of outside of Ryan Helsley, but. You know, with with Helsley and Gallegos, the 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 one two punch there at the top, combined with JoJo Romero, who had a breakout season last year, and then also with the additions of Andrew Kittredge and Keenan Middleton and Andre Pianti, there being the best ground ball pitcher in all of baseball, it's a pretty interesting group.
1: Yeah, I, it's like. You know, you have a bunch of high upside, like strikeout guys in Helsley, Gallegos, Romero, and Middleton. Mm-hmm. And then Kitt- polante is, a, you know, the biggest ground ball reliever in baseball. And um, Kittridge was an all star a couple of years ago. So, yeah, there, there's some interesting pieces here for sure. Um, see how they make it all work. I, I think Middleton, I know that they were after. They've been linked to relievers all offseason, even after they uh, added Kittredge. But Mm -hmm. Middleton makes sense. I think Middleton makes sense for them. They didn't need to go out and like overpay someone. They just kind of needed an an extra guy with, you know, Middleton's got some closer experience. If, if, you know, Housley gets hurt or, um, you know, something happens with the other, you know, guys at the top of their bullpen. And Mm -hmm. he was, you know, he had a big, you know. Bounce back season last year, 18.6% swing strike rate was top ten in all of baseball. Nice. Thirty point two percent K rate. Um so swing and miss stuff's there. It's it's always been there for for Middleton. So it's just he's another guy who just needs to stay on the field and um, you know, keep doing his thing. The changeup really came along for him last year, which was not a pitch that he really dominated with in, in the past and I'm not sure. I don't know where it came from, but don't the Yankees change up-
0: love changeups or something?
1: Uh, well, Conley. I mean, Tommy Cainley. That's a big. I mean, big like
0: the guy. the Yankees' uh, pitching development.
1: They, I believe, yeah. I mean, they 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 used to be like two seam slider. Um, but yeah, yeah. They, I know they have a lot of guys throwing changeups now. But well, I just I don't, know
0: that they were like making Garrett Cole throw his
1: changeup yeah, often. But I mean, I think this started when he was with the White Sox, though, too. And I don't, mm. I mean, I don't know what's going on with their pitching development, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, yeah. Like any starters or leavers or whatever. I know he had some thoughts about how Chicago handled things and whatnot, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, his changeup, he started throwing 43% of the time last year compared to 17% 20 and 12% and 22 and 21. Yeah. So and that, got that a, gives four,
0: you yeah. four guys that you can really trust there.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's four guys I would trust in the the closer role. I don't know about Gayagos in the closer role because that's not really his thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, between those four that can strike guys out on command and then, you know, Kittredge and Palante doing their thing. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty interesting bullpen. And they're going to they're going to need it with the kind of makeshift rotation they have going on right mm-hmm. now.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the Keenan Middleton is especially good here. The the addition is especially good here because I wouldn't feel too confident about him being like my number one or two setup guy or, or a closer in some cases. But as like the uh, middle reliever that's going to pitch the, the sixth inning or the seventh inning, that's that's a pretty great guy to have going out there in the middle innings.
1: Yeah, it's not you aren't going to have to put too much pressure on him. It's similar to when he was with New York. I don't think they, you know, he was kind of a low, not really a low leverage guy, but he wasn't coming in in the seventh or eighth or ninth inning. Um, and yeah, same thing will happen here. I, I'd imagine it's you know Romero and Galgos in the seventh and eighth, and Middleton can kind of be that fireman to kind of escape jams in. Mm-hmm. The earlier innings, which is probably, uh, you know, the best fit for him or a really good fit for him. At least it's it it makes sense. I I get it.
0: Yes. And then the next move is pretty minor. The Angels signed Jose Cisnero to a one year, one point seven five million dollar deal. They've made a lot of moves in their bullpen this year. Clearly, obviously adding Robert Stevenson, but bringing back Matt Moore as well and adding Luis Garcia and Adam Simber. And now they'll add Jose Cisnero to that group. It's a minor move, not only because the the deal is very small in terms of money, uh, in from ba- for baseball standards. Um, but the guy did have a five point three one ERA last year, which is not anything to write home about. But is there anything here with Cisnero that you know intrigues you going to a bullpen like Los Angeles, where you don't really trust a lot of the top setup options?
1: Uh, um, I don't know. I, I still think that there's what it basically bumps Ben Joyce off the roster, which I think oh. at some point I think at some point that switch I mean, I think you see. I don't think Cisnero lasts the whole year there. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I guess Simber could also not last the whole year, but I think between like more Soriano Garcia Stevenson Estevez, those guys are probably safe and then it comes down to Simber Cisnero and you know, Joyce for two spots and uh, Cisnero might be the odd man out. I was his contract fully guaranteed. Um, I 1. thought so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, I guess he, he'll start the year there. I don't know. I've never been a big Jose Cisnero guy. He did up his walk, his strikeout rate last year mm-hmm. Had the best uh, K to walk ratio he's had since 2020, so. Yeah, if, um, if that's
0: his peak, it's, it's, it's not, not too great. Impressive. Still, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So what could be exciting though is that if he remains on the roster and Jose Quijada comes back from injury, yeah, they so. could have four Jose's in their bullpen.
1: <laughs> no, I think. Oh, wait, what? yeah, really? Jose oh. Cisnero,
0: Jose Soriano, Soriano, Jose Suarez, and Jose Quijada. Oh man, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> I would be rooting for that's that. I mean, there's not going to gonna be much else to root for there. Call it to the bullpen. Hey,
1: get Jose up. <laughs>
0: Which was all four? We only have two, we only have two mounds for them to pitch off of.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. That would be, that would be some good stuff. Kejada was good last year, too. Siding yeah. just, uh, uh,
0: you remember him in the, wasn't he the one who just couldn't keep his shirt buttoned in the WBC?
1: Yes. I believe that was him. Yeah. <laughs> that was sick. <laughs>
0: that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cool. So th- that one, uh, not not much of a fantasy move there. But the next one definitely is the White Sox traded Gregory Santos to the Mariners. In return, the White Sox received Prelander Baroa and Zach Deloach. Gregory Santos was a guy that I was super interested in because at the start of the offseason, I thought he was going to be uh, a very underrated closer for a probably bad White Sox team and then they added John Brebbia, which really muddied up the waters a little bit and now he's gone. So there, there's lots of uh, I, I think there, there's so many things that that branch off of this in terms of fantasy, but I, I guess we'll start with the, the White Sox side mm. here. Uh, with, with Gregory Santos leaving, you've got uh, John Brebbia there and then uh, nobody else and you add prelander Baroa, who's transitioned almost full time into the bullpen in the minor leagues and he's pretty interesting as well. So uh, John Brebbia flying up your ranks. Is that yeah. the case?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think he's like almost a sure thing to start the season off as, as in the closer role because just lack of options uh, at the moment. It's funny after that trade I do remember looking at roster resource and they had Barrow as like the setup guy, eighth inning setup guy. And now he's not even on the, the roster because mm-hmm. they signed Jesse Chavez. Who's Which uh, is to a minor league to deal. a, a non-rot. Yeah. He, <laughs> and they're not, like, that's our top setup option. Oh, it's so bad. Um, they're going to be worse than the A's. <sighs> yeah, I probably. Yeah, I shouldn't. I, yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad going on here, but yeah, um, that's still, they're not going to be worse than the A's. Um, they have <laughs> oh, Luis Robert, they have we, Luis we Robert, they, they still have Dylan C's. Uh, we can,
0: we'll, we'll make, we'll make a side bet. Yeah. That's my bold prediction is that the A's are not going to be the worst team in baseball.
1: <laughs> um, I, I still, so Breby is making, I, I don't, I'm probably wrong, but I think Breby is making, I said he's at least making close to what the rest of this bullpen is making combined. So I I think he, (laughs) I think he will, he's the third most expensive pitcher on the, uh, on the team. I think he'll be closing out games. He's been really, he's, he's always been kind of an underrated reliever in my mind. I've always kind of liked him even in his Cardinals days. Um, I do, you know, wonder, so he's got the mutual option for next year. So it could be just, you know, he gets 15 to 20 saves at the deadline. They trade him. Um, but either way, I, I think where he's being drafted, it's not like he's flown up, you know, eighty boards it's right now. He's mm-hmm. still very uh, I think the last time I saw, even like after the move, it's you know, after picked four hundred, five hundred, something like that. So for free, I, it's definitely worth taking a chance on him because it's, you know, this is a guy with um pretty good career numbers. It's not I don't know why his projections are so bad when He's got a career three four two ERA, and I don't know. He he does miss bats at a pretty decent rate. Um, Slider's always been pretty good. So yeah, I, I, I'm probably going to end up with a lot of John Brebbia just because no one else really has any interest right now. It seems.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He he's got to be traded at the deadline, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: but we
1: also I, with, with I mean, Pre-Lander it v- depends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: With with prelander Barroa, though, I am super intrigued to see how much of an impact he can have on this bullpen. Obviously, he hasn't pitched above AA, but last year he had a 2.89 ERA and a near 37% strikeout rate last year at, at AA. Do you think this is a guy that, you know, if Brebia gets traded, he he's going to be the, the second half closer, sort of like Santos was last year?
1: Yeah, I... I think it's between him, Jordan Leisure. Um, I don't Leisure Leisure. He's one of their top prospects. Who's another these these prospect relievers? None of them throw strikes. It's they're all they like Mm -hmm. they all have like forty percent K rates and like thirty five or fifteen percent walk rates. It's all like it just reminds me of James Karinchek when he was coming up. It's like yeah, he strikes out a ton of guys and has a good ERA at AAA, but it's the walk rate's going to be an issue. Like you, just, That doesn't just like fix itself overnight going to the major leagues. So mm-hmm. same thing with Barrow. I mean, has just, he, he has in two amazing pitches that he does no idea where they're going. He just, he, he, he obviously isn't a starter um, and still has some work. There's still work to be done there to clean things up, to make sure he can even be a, you know, effective reliever.
0: Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is why the white Sox did this. Gregory Santos is the same age yeah. as Prelander Broa, and maybe there's like going to be uh, one year of control <laughs> difference, but that doesn't really make sense. To they just wanted to give lunch.
1: up. <laughs> sure. they, wanted fifth, they wanted a fifth outfielder.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that I one don't. doesn't make sense. The guy's already. 25 this next year. He looks like a quad A guy when I looked at his numbers, just like high walk rate. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, high walk rate, high strikeout guy. Like success in the in the high minor in the upper minors, but like like pretty old for for the level so yeah right. th- it really is a very confusing move but you know prelander burrow is pretty interesting the the white Sox situation is clearly john Brebia and then the rest of the guys but well, we'll look at the other side now the mariners got gregory santos and they've got a locked in closer already and andres muñoz but now that bullpen the top three is absolutely disgusting with muñoz brash and santos there um yeah i i don't think you really can say that Santos is going to push Munoz at all for the closer role, but that's a, that's a crazy three headed uh, dragon there.
1: Yeah. It gives them like, you know, Santos is a little bit different from Brash and, you know, Munoz, those guys are just striking out people left and right. And and Munoz's ground ball rate did go up last year. Um, But Santos is ultimately a, you know, a two seam sinker slider guy who doesn't miss a ton of bats, but he's going to get a lot of weak contact and ground balls and it just adds a different, it's, it, he's a definitely an upgrade over, you know, I was wondering what, I, I didn't think that they were going to just like trade Topa away and then not do anything about it. So Santos, I think is definitely an upgrade over Justin Topa um, just because, you know, there's the, this stuff's better and he's going to get, you know, he's more useful in certain situations with his ground ball rates. So I, I, I like, you know, Those three, and then um, even Spear is is really interesting to me. It's a Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good bullpen, Um, and and those guys Santos now too. Those guys are young. That's a pretty yeah that that three that they can have at the the back end there for a while. That's that's gonna be fun. Yeah,
0: I, I'm pumped that that's going to be absolutely nasty. So that, that's a, that's a really fun move for the Mariners, and it's it's sort of interesting for the the fantasy ramifications, especially on the White Sox side. We can move on to the next one, and it's the Rays signing Phil Maton to a one-year six point two five million dollar deal with a seven point seven five million dollar club club option that includes a two hundred fifty thousand dollar buyout. And this is awesome because <laughs> I think Phil Maton is very underrated because a lot of the guys in the Houston bullpen were much more well-known and were sort of, you know, making him a, a guy that was sort of buried under their success, despite his him having success over the past couple of years i thought he was going to be a guy that went to a rebuilding team and sort of built his case for a larger free agent contract next year by closing out ball games but I, this is another way to do it going yeah, to the Rays <laughs> and just becoming like he's the next robert
1: stevenson right yeah he's just going to go here and have an absolutely dominant year and then get three years and 33 million next year from someone mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so yeah. is
0: he going to be like a, a, I feel like he's going to be sort of a sleeper in fantasy. Maybe like every, everybody's pretty tuned into what the Rays can do with a reliever. But do you think you're going to have him above the consensus just because of the the new situation here?
1: Uh, I don't you know. You know, I don't know what the consensus is. I have him pretty high, probably going to be higher, to be honest, now that he landed in Tampa. I didn't move him up once he signed with Tampa. I probably should have. Um, mm-hmm. But it was kind of late in the process. <laughs> but he, I mean, it, it's a perfect fit. I, I like the fit for multiple reasons. He's different from a, he's different from Adam and Fairbanks. You know, Fairbanks throws hard. Adam has you know pretty good change up sweeper combo. Um, but Maton's got that row fastball, kind of like Paul Seawald. It's a very mm-hmm. different approach. And I'm sure, yeah, you know the 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 Rays are going to get the most out of him. But even you know he was still really good last year. PLV loves him. Um, he you know no mis- like pretty low mistake rate, uh, swinging strike rates up there. Uh, he kind of was overshadowed in, in Houston because yep. there's so many other guys there. Um, but I think yeah, Tampa Bay this year. It might not be early in the season, but at some point you're gonna you're gonna be like, who is? People are gonna be wondering like, who is this guy that's like got these outstanding numbers i'm I'm sure it's going to be him (laughs) yeah
0: i'm pumped i'm pumped to see that uh the next one we had the dodgers re-signing ryan brazier to a two-year nine million dollar deal and incentives could max the deal out at two years and 13 million dollars it is wild to consider uh what he did with the red Sox in the first half of 2023 Mm -hmm. his age he's going to be 36 this next year And just so many factors to think that this offseason he would sign not only a multi-year deal, but a multi-year deal for $9 million to go to the Dodgers. He had a 7.29 ERA in 21 innings with the Red Sox. Do, Do you want to guess what his ERA was with the Dodgers or do you remember?
1: It was under one, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, no. 0.70 across no. 38.2 innings with the Dodgers. Absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, that's not backed up by any ERA estimators, but the level that he took his game to was almost unprecedented for for that sample size as well for a guy of his age with his previous track record. And it's crazy that he was able to net a multi-year deal entering his age 36 season. But with all that being said, how do you feel about the fantasy implications of this move?
1: um it's he's a middling holds guy for me still I there's all there's a lot of options there obviously um I don't know I buy into the, the, the Dodgers success a little bit but I, I would you know I want to see I want to see it happen again to start the year before I'm like fully bought in especially at his age um it's we're trying to kind of pinpoint what changed um it's I don't it's you can't just say like the Dodgers like just you know they just did better with them it's 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 like you know the the slider we've so from as a Red Sox fan like his slider was always good his fastball was just always getting you know destroyed um so I don't know maybe they're hiding his fastball better he did add a mile per hour of velocity to his fastball so, yeah, maybe maybe that helped. Maybe the location helped. He he was able sure. to locate a little bit more, you know, up in the zone. Um I don't know. But he I I a little bit skeptical until we see like I want to see like a month or so and then if he's still just being dominant, then I'm like, okay, I guess, you know. There's also I wanna see, you know, what Joe Kelly and Alex Vezia do to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Trinan, what what's Blake Trinan and JP Fireeyes and yeah. Daniel Hudson like? Quietly are those guys, loaded. Are those guys okay? Are those guys you know available to pitch again? Um, yeah. There's so there's so many you know there's question marks in this whole pitching staff, but the bullpen there's you know it's Evan Phillips and then like Bruce Raderalls, so you know what you're gonna get from him, and then after that it's really don't know what you're gonna get it it could be high there's there's very you know there's highs and lows here in this bullpen but um Mm -hmm. i'm sure they'll find enough they have enough you know pieces here to, to make the bullpen uh pretty pretty good
0: yeah. And they used to have more until they traded Caleb Ferguson to the Yankees. In yeah. return, they g- received Matt Gage and Christian Zazueta. Matt Gage is a 30 year old reliever. So I, I don't know much about him. I, I don't think there's much to write home about. But this is clearly the Yankees replacing Wandy Peralta by getting Caleb Ferguson. And this is interesting for the Dodgers because it makes Fessia the clear top left handed option. And we already mm-hmm. know he's a PLV darling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm already high on Vezia. It's hard to get higher after that 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 trade. I mean, yeah, that opens up the, you know, they let go of Victor Gonzalez and moved Ferguson. So it's, you know, Vezia and Ryan Yarbrough are the only lefties here. And Yarbrough, you know, it's going to be a probably a multi-inning guy who's not much of a setup option. So I think Vezia is in for a big season here. Um, you know, strikeout numbers are going to be there. And hopefully holds are too, with um, you know him being the top lefty.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and uh that'll basically wrap up the transactions. I did want to mention Guillermo Zuniga being traded from the Cardinals to the Angels. He throws really hard, so he's mm. got some potential. It's a pretty wide open bullpen. And then there were a couple intriguing minor league deals. The Diamondbacks got Brandon Hughes. The Nationals got Richard Blyer. The Braves got. 100 miles Ken Giles uh the Dodgers got nelson lamette the Cubs got Carl Edwards Jr. Mariners got Kirby Sneed the Pirates got Brent Honeywell Jr. and the White Sox got Jesse Chavez do any of those stand out to you
1: uh i always like i mean Ken Giles see what happens there um it's been a while but uh, yeah. Atlanta is a pretty pretty decent spot for him yeah you're missing so the Red Sox also signed Michael Fulmer to a two year deal oh yeah was um, today yeah, the Red Sox Twitter was uh, all up in arms about it. Wasn't it a so. minors, minors deal? Yeah, yeah. People are just they're they're upset because they haven't. Why? Red Sox haven't done anything. So oh, okay, he, yeah. he's not a Tommy John guy, right? Yeah, he's not going to. He's a, it's a minor league deal. He's not going to pitch till next year. So that's why people <laughs> why oh they sign They signed a guy who's not even going to pitch this year, <laughs> it, like. Yeah, that's like this. Just he's not Blake Snell. Doesn't mean it's not like a decent. Like this, the signing makes sense. It's just not, you know, it's not what you wanted. I get that, but sure, you know, it's an interesting name to keep an eye on for next year because you know Martin could be gone, Jansen could be gone. Who knows what the bullpen looks like next year? So Fulmer comes back healthy. Yeah, who knows? Yeah.
0: Definitely uh, an interesting flyer to take, Uh, but that'll wrap up the transactions. As always, we somehow lasted 45 minutes doing that. Um, So (laughs) before we talk about your rankings that came out this past week, we're going to take our second break. And we're back. Jake crumpler here with Rick Graham on in the pen talking about relievers. More specifically, Rick's rankings came out this past week, the top 50 closers, the top 100 relievers for saves plus holds leagues and the top 100 r- relievers for holds. Uh, you have some names that I, I think we should run through and it, it might be interesting to also sort of see how these rankings match up to your rankings from the beginning of the off season. Uh, mm-hmm but I I guess we can just start with uh, some sleepers as I I usually feel like when you're, when you're trying to do analysis, you want to just, in terms of doing your, your own analysis as a, as a fantasy manager, you always just want to look for value, right? So you're looking for the the guys that are sleepers that you may be able to get a a step up on by, by getting somebody that's being undervalued either by ADP or just in general. And so, uh, a few sleepers you have that I, I think we can go through one by one. The first one is Jose Alvarado, who you initially had ranked the number 15 closer, and now you have him ranked the number 17 closer. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> not a huge move, but is that like a negative move or just like, you know,
1: natural? Um, I think that was, uh, It's more sleeper based on his ADP being, he's still going, I don't know the exact number, but I want to say he's like 20, he's in the 20s, you know, twenty three, four closer off the board. Um, And I just, like, I think we can kind of start, I don't know, I'm surprised he hasn't gone, he's still around like pick 180 where a lot of these guys are going around like, you know, pick 60 to 120 there's like a huge cluster and i'm surprised he hasn't moved up into that cluster since the phillies never added anyone exactly so their bullpen and um i know there's still a chance there's there's still a chance of a committee with uh hoffman and soto Kirkring, um but i think alvarado probably gets the first chance at closing out games there and he was really good to start the year last year before he got hurt and you know, if he figured out some things in Philly, I, I think, you know, it's it's worth taking a shot on where he is right now. It's as a second, maybe even a like a really good third reliever. I, I, I wouldn't would definitely want to take a chance on Alvarado. Yeah, totally agree.
0: And then Robert Stevenson, the uh Apple of the podcast. I so, this offseason, he moved up five spots from 23 to 18. That's a pretty interesting because now he's right behind Alvarado. He may have more of a guaranteed job than Alvarado, but Ooh. also s- sort of similar situation as you know, he's he's got to compete with Carlos Estevez from last year, but why, why is he a sleeper in your eye? Well, <clears throat>
1: I think with both of those guys, it's, you know, if someone were to be like, both of these guys are the team's closer for opening day, I think they would both move up at least one tier. Um, you know, maybe even two. Uh if if I if you if I knew Stevenson was closing out games for the Angels, I would probably put him in the top ten. Um it's just probably crazy. Um I don't know if I should do that. But I I just <laughs> he was I really, really good last He year. was just like so dumb. I mean, if you're talking about anyone who could even come close to challenging what Edwin Diaz did two years ago or Felix Batista did last year, it's probably what Stevenson did in the second half. So if he can yeah. you know do what he did in the second half for a full season. Um, that's, yeah, that's really going to be, you know, that's easily a top, you know, two or three. That's that's the best closer in baseball. What am I saying? Um, <laughs> it's just, if he can do that. And I, I think Estevez is going to be an issue at first, but I don't, I think I, I'm still, you know, I'll take the talent and Stevenson over Estevez, who has never really been able to put it all together for a full season. So, it might be weird at first, and if you draft Stevenson, you might be like, "Why did I do this?" But you know, wait it out until you know April or end of April, May. See see how things go there. Because, um, I have yeah, I I would imagine he's closing out games by at least May for for them. Totally, and then you have Hunter Harvey at
0: uh, ranked ahead of the guy that's expected to be the closer, and that makes sense that you would
1: have him as a sleeper. How? how soon do you think he's going to take over that role from Kyle Finnegan? I know. So I know Washington keeps talking about how much they want Finnegan to be the closer for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I I don't know what, whatever <laughs> the reasons are. Um, maybe they're trying to boost his trade value or something. I th- still think it's not even close. Harvey's a much better pitcher than, than, than Finnegan. And he uh, was able to stay healthy all last year, which was nice to see. So yeah, you know, it it might not even be it could be right away. I don't I don't you know, I'm not so dead set on you, no matter what the team says, I'm not dead set that Finnegan's the opening day closer. We'll see what happens in the spring. I I don't think Harvey's going inside the top three hundred right now, so worth a flyer late in drafts, just because he's the best guy here. Um depending and it's Hannah Rainey's back in the mix, too. So that's gonna be interesting to see what he what he's able to do. It's been a while since we've seen him pitch. Um, But I I still think Harvey's the best option here. And it's just a matter of time before, you know, Finnegan loses that job.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Brian Abreu, surprisingly you have as a sleeper, which for holds, probably not a sleeper, but for, for saves, definitely a yeah. sleeper because he's like he, he would have been a somewhat of a sleeper <coughs> before the Astros signed Josh Hader. And now it's like he's got two levels of security to go through <laughs> in terms of Ryan Presley and Josh Hader. So uh,
1: why do you have well, him as a sleeper? That, that's kind of part of my I don't know what the ADP trends have been with him. Um, it's got to be so low. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of like my thought process is, you know. After Hader signed, I'm sure Abreu's stock took a, another hit, and it's you know you, you might not be you know you're not drafting him for saves wherever you're getting him late in drafts. Um, you're going to get an elite you know elite ratios, bunch of strikeouts, and you know who you never know what happens if one of, honestly if just one of Hader or Presley gets hurt or you know struggles, then all of a sudden he's you know next in line, so he starts getting a saves here and there. There there's openings. There could be openings here for him. And I think just, you know, taking advantage of the the dip in ADP that you're gonna get from, you know, Hayter just signing signing with Houston. I think you can take advantage of that. And he's he's still very valuable in, in non holds leagues just because of, you know, the strikeouts and the ratios. That's right.
0: Yeah. And then the the last sleeper you had was John Brebia, which I don't know if you have anything more to say here. We sort of waxed poetic on him with the Gregory Santos deal. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's you know just the fact that he's probably going to be closing opening day for them. So, um, you know, we, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if his ADP rises at all. Um, because it hasn't really since he signed there. Even when he signed there, I thought he would he would get a nice bump, but it never really happened. I feel like he's just a lesser known guy, and uh, I think there could be a lot of value there for for absolutely no cost. Yeah. And uh, well, we'll go to the opposite end of the spectrum to the
0: busts, the guys that you expect to underperform their draft day ADP. And the first one uh, sort of in line with your sleepers, but it's still pretty crazy. You have Josh Hader at number eight. Um, is that I I sort of know where you stand on that, but please go so, ahead and enlighten the listeners.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, I, I've mentioned it. It's there's a lot of reasons. Um It's, you know, partially the landing spot, the, 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 the competition is a factor, uh, striker rate dipped. He's still, you know, a lot of hard contacts, command issues are an issue still. Secondaries are still not the same. They're not, they're not, you know, where they need to be to support his fastball, which is losing, losing life. Um, it's. You know, if he can if he can make it if he can make it another 56 innings next year, uh, I'm sure he'll be fine. But it's just the, the the way he's going inside the top 50 right now in the same group with Devin Williams and Edwin Diaz. It just doesn't I don't get it. I don't Um, I don't want any part of if I'm going to take anyone up there, it, it's going to be Diaz and then Williams and haters just not not in that same tier. I don't think.
0: Yeah, that, uh, you might be the the lowest on him. I feel Probably, like I, I don't know if I've yeah. ever seen anybody rank him that low. But hey, maybe you are pressing. I And I'm I'm fine with that one. But what I'm not fine with is you ranking my guy Camilo Deval at number thirteen. Would, What's yeah. up with that?
1: I yeah I don't. He's getting drafted in like the fifty five to sixty range, and it's just, oh, wow. he's like five or six off the board for closers. And I just I don't know what exactly makes him so much different from you know those those. You know, I guess health does, but Duvall hasn't exactly had. I mean, he's had how many how many full years at the the major league level? Uh, What's he going on three now? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's. I just I would rather wait on. He's he's had two full seasons, um, and they've been two really good, really good seasons. And there's there's a security and safety safety factor here, and that's why he's going so high. I get it, but. I would, you know, rather take a chance 40, 50 picks later with a Tanner Scott or Ryan Helsley or Pete Fairbanks. And, um, you know, Deval is just, I don't know if there's another step forward really for him as far as, you know, strikeouts go. I, I think he's just, he's a really good reliever. I don't think he's ever going to be in that top tier.
0: Yeah, that's all totally fair. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm drafting him inside the top 75 at all, but yeah, that's uh, crazy Crazy to see, them, see him all the way down at 13. But what's even crazier is to see Alexis Diaz all the way down at 21. though <laughs> no, I won't disagree with you on that one. I, I'm, I'm sort of scared to draft him myself. But why do you have him so low compared to uh, other uh, relief
1: pitcher rankers? It's just that that second half was just so bad. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's so hard to overlook how like and yeah, he might have been worn down. But like there's still, you know, how does that? affect him going into this season still it's it's um just a lot of lot of risk here um for a guy who was not very good in the second like not not even very he was just terrible in the second half um and our our you know the pl v- projection on him is not very flattering either uh 3.93 era 1.22 whip uh the, and the 29.9 percent k rate is boosted by his k rate from the first half because the second yeah. half was you know, he wasn't striking out anyone. Um, it just comes down to I think Cincinnati. He does have you know safe safety there. There's not, there's no other relievers to turn to. I don't think Pagan is you know going to be closing games out early in the season. So yeah, it's it's just you know he's he, his ADP has been dropping. It's it's finally I think recently it's been it's gone from like seventy to like eighty five. So he's starting to fall a little bit. But it's still, still, so early. it's still inside the top 100. I'm just there's no chance, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm no out. shot.
0: And then, uh, you also have Clay Holmes listed as a bust. Uh, I just don't, he doesn't really have any competition. Uh, you yeah. have him ranked above Alexis Diaz, but is that the only reason why he's not ranked lower?
1: Yeah, it's because he, he and like you know, Jansen up there because there's not really any competition right now. Um, you know, I think there are better options in the Yankees bullpen potentially, like you know, Canley or I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if Scott F, you know, F Ross is how mm-hmm. he looks healthy. Um, but like the yeah, the projections for 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 Holmes are not great um, at all. That's that's a concern. The three point nine eight ERA, one point two four WHIP, and a twenty four percent K rates like that's you know that's basically carlos as from last year i think something like that so it's not you know the ground ball rate is obviously nice you get some comfort in knowing that he's not allowing a ton of home runs that that should keep his era relatively low but it, he's not he's not really he shouldn't be a closer i'm surprised the yankees never really they did didn't add any relievers i think that's mm-hmm. going to come back to bite bite them i i think they'll probably end up making a move at the deadline if they're still in it so um i yeah i don't know holmes is just very very average to me um you know good you know piece to have in a bullpen but not a closer yeah totally fair and then the the last sleeper you have is albert
0: azalei and uh you have him ranked at i clicked away from it 22 22. he's right in that group yes he is and then and what makes him a guy that you're staying away from
1: it's another guy who's his adp has been going up i think because the cubs didn't end up with josh Hader, and i get that that's you know that was his biggest obstacle this offseason um but he it's still you know i don't think i think you can't discount hector neris there you know being a threat as well as even julian merriweather's i think uh higher upside reliever. Um, you know, Azalea is not going to strike out a lot of guys. That's obvious, but there's still, you know, he's still decent. It's just, uh, I just, the, the upside I don't think is uh crazy good there where I want to chase him inside. I think I saw him going like 120 125 It's still a little high. There's other guys I'd rather take a chance on. Um, and the Cubs, you know, just because they didn't add anyone again, this, this, Offseason, that doesn't mean that they're you know dead set on Alzolay being their closer. They clearly wanted to make, that they clearly were interested in relievers. They just you know didn't pull the trigger on any of the the bigger names. So I, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if they made a trade at some point. If you know they're in contention as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So those are our sleepers and busts for relief pitchers. The targets are also pretty interesting, and I think I'm going to have to agree with you on most of them. Uh, you have. Pete Fairbanks, Ryan Helsley, Tanner Scott, Evan Phillips, and Craig Kimbrell listed as your targets. And that makes sense given the comparison between your rankings and ADP right now. But those are very solid, great relievers that are going you know, generally in the same area in ADP yeah. around pick 100 or later. I'm currently doing a mock draft for TGFBI, and I was able to get both Helsley and Scott after pick 125. Oof. So there, there's plenty of guys you can wait on right now and get those um, and, and still feel really confident that you have a, a, a top-tier reliever. Who do you think you're going to draft the most
1: out of this group of five? Uh, that's a good question. Those to- I mean, those top three... I will probably have a lot of um, Phillips and Kim Kimbrell and Phillips are kind of depends on where there's where they end up uh, being drafted because I'm more hesitant with them. I mean Phillips I think just because he's going to get a boost from you know the Dodgers not adding anyone but he still is going like around 115 120 which is yeah I'm fine with taking him there as the closer. Um. And Kimbrel too. I understand why people would be scared away there, but I think he could have a huge. I think he could be like a, a really big difference maker where he's being drafted, just because of the team context, ballpark context, roster context, all of that. I think it's a perfect fit for him. Um, but I, yeah, the Fairbanks, Helsley, Scott trio is probably where I'm gonna have the most um, most shares this year
0: yeah i think i'm on the same page there uh we can transition from targets to late round flyers and you've got another group of five which includes josh spores julian merriweather aj minter jeff hoffman and
1: jj uh, jojo romero (laughs) thank you
0: (laughs) jojo romero he's got just last names here and it's uh we we're an hour into the podcast it's uh (laughs) it's at that point um yeah, the, these are super interesting. I think Spores has uh, a little bit of competition that I think he could easily overcome. Merriweather's in that same boat. And uh, well, while Minter has a very good and solid closer ahead of him, it all it takes is one injury or, right. or one misstep, and then he's the closer. And you can say the same for someone like Jeff Hoffman or Jojo Romero as well. Um, who, who's your favorite amongst this group?
1: I you know I I think it's probably Spores because I think with all the there's kind of a almost like a smokescreen with Texas adding David Robertson and Kirby Yates to you know to help Jose Leclerc close out games but I still think Spores is far and away the best reliever there and his ADP is super low it's you know he's off he's in the six hundreds right now no one's even thinking about him um. But he's the guy who finished the World Series, you know, closing out three games. He cl- clearly has the trust of Bruce Bochi there. Um, he might not be the veteran that Bochi likes, but I do think Spores is the best reliever um, to take a chance on in, in Texas, unless you can get a really good discount on Leclerc, maybe. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Minter, like you said, I mean, Iglesias missed like the first two months of last year, pretty much. I mean, he's had some. Uh, um, injuries that he's been dealt dealing with in the past. So all it takes is that for Minter to step into a closer role again. And, um, you know, you can get pretty, pretty cheap saves there if that happens.
0: Yeah. There's uh th- those are some interesting guys to go for in the, in the late rounds, hoping for something to happen during the regular season, especially if you have deep rosters and can afford to hold on to them or, you know, just throw them on your watch list and keep an eye on them. Uh, Sort of in the same situation or similar situation, these handcuffs are also guys that could be, you know, steal in the saves here or there as the top setup guy to a, a locked-in closer, or same situation as Minter could just take over if something happens. But that group includes Jason Adam, Ryan Presley, Matt Brash, Hector Naris, Yuki Matsui, David Robertson, Kevin Ginkle, James MacArthur, Yenny Arcano, and Gregory Soto. Got it. <laughs> nice i did it uh, i got stuck on robertson because i was I like i thought he was the closer <laughs> not
1: is, is
0: there a is there a favorite amongst here i like all, all of these na- names are really good and i feel like presley right. is is very clearly a guy that you can trust a lot as a mm. as a guy because he has the uh, not only does he have the history of being a closer and the p- past success that he's had but also he's the the right-handed tandem to hater.
1: Yeah, I think Presley. Uh, he's probably going to be going the highest, even with the, the um, you know, even with with Hader there. I still think Presley's ADP is still going to be kind of high. Um, so he might be harder to tr- to to get at a good cost, but I would say Presley is the best one here. Then it's probably Brash, uh, but again, he's gonna not his ADP hasn't really sunk too much despite not being a closer. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I do think like Kevin Ginkle is something about. I I know Seawald, I I do still think Seawald's a pretty safe option this year, but he, you know, I do kind of like Ginkle as a just because there's really nothing else in that bullpen. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like if if something happens to Seawald, it's Kevin Ginkle's job. And he really came on strong at the end of last year, had a great postseason run while Seawald struggled. So yeah i think ginkle could be a sneaky um you know late round flyer of you know and an only type league um type option great great analysis
0: and then uh the second to last section you have here is some guys that you can go target for their premier ratios they're really good at putting up beautiful eras and whips this group includes chris martin matt Strom, Bruce our graderall hobie milner yenier cano tyler holton sean armstrong griffin jacks andrew nardi and eric swanson with honorable mentions going to ryan barucki and gabe spire hey. spear however you want to pronounce that one um but yeah this is a definitely an interesting group because they're not guys that you're sort of targeting for saves at all but guys like Bruce Dark gratterall and griffin jacks have been b- very solid for multiple years and especially eric swanson as well but yeah it's did, uh
1: go ahead I us say did you did any any chance did you see uh mlb network did like their top 10 position rankings and uh for relievers they put chris martin as the ninth best reliever in baseball right now
0: <laughs> <laughs> when so, did that come out
1: uh, a couple weeks ago um oh but God, i i got crazy. it's it's a little high for chris martin but i
0: <laughs> yeah maybe they thought it was the lead singer of cold play and they were like you know combining they, the the dual threat that he has
1: i think they left out Hader and Colosse in the top 10 um no way oh, yeah oh <laughs> they got chris martin in there i know it's the cold play stigma but yeah i i I, I, mean, I get it. Martin's ratios last year, or the impeccable one point oh five ERA. Like, sure, that I get that. That's that's really good, and he's been doing it for a while now, even at his age. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you, you know, you, I can ex- you can expect that again next year, but he should still be a good ratio guy. As is Strom Gratterall. Uh, Gratterall might hurt you a little bit in in WHIP, but I think the ERA. Um, or in ERA, but the whip is going to be low because he doesn't really, you know, walk anyone. He just throws bowling ball sinkers over the plate. Tyler Holton is a sneaky one. And I, you know, last year he was really good. Um, Pretty elite ratio guy. I think that could continue. It's probably going to take a bit of a hit, but um, still, still very sneaky name that I don't think a lot of people know of. So if you just need ratios late in drafts, that's a Holton's a good, a good option there.
0: Yeah, I uh, I found this top 10 right now for yeah. relievers and it is crazy. I I know that they're like trying to predict the f- next year, but this is just just so clearly engagement farming to put Chris Martin at 9 um it, it, yeah, some of them they have good rankings. I love that they have Brian Abreu on there at it's number nice, 7. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Evan Phillips at number 4 is, is sort of wild, but yeah, to just leave some of the best relievers uh including Klaus Anheiter like you said off of this list altogether pretty wild like you might as well just put like kyle finn again at number eight
1: like to, if we're was, <laughs> if we're gonna do this you, you think i'm down on a class a and hater i mean i'm not at least mlb network down on them as to not have been the top 10 at all so yeah, right that's, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. crazy
0: um <laughs> yeah they, they've, been, they've been really farming some great engagement all off season mm-hmm. we just got to start putting out like uh our rankings on april
1: fools right yeah the pitcher pitchers list the pitcher list.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one's always really funny. Oh, yeah. All right, our our last section here. We move from ratios guys to guys that'll get you a bunch of strikeouts, and uh, these guys definitely will do that. Araldis Chapman, Brian abreu Matt Brash, Alex Vesia, Julian Merriweather, Trevor McGill, Joe Kelly, Josh Spores, Jeff Hoffman, and AJ Puck, including honorable mentions, going to Trevor Richards and Fernando Cruz. Who, uh, I, I think there's some really interesting names here. Obviously the, the clear big strikeout guys like Chapman, Abreu, and Brash. And then you have interesting PLV guys like Vessia and guys like Trevor McGill, who just went (laughs) completely under the radar with how incredible they were last year. And I feel like that might be the biggest sleeper that I, I don't, I, there's not many like bullpen, uh, Focused podcast out there. uh, None that I like have enough time to listen to anyway. So I I don't know how much Trevor McGill is being talked about right now, but that that's a super interesting
1: one. I'm glad you brought up. So our during our pitch con Ray Murphy uh, brought up McGill as his sleeper. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, I mean, I was, I love when he's put that into the chat. I was, I was like, yes, thank you. Because (laughs) I mean, I, you could put, yeah, you could put McGill on the sleepers late round flyers list as well, because his um, I think I have him seventh or eighth overall for my holds list. Holy moly! Yeah, it's it just comes down to usage, and I mean the stuff is so insane though. It's so he's, it's so good. It's like it's almost Felix Batista esque It could be I I don't know if it's that type of breakout, but it's um the stuff's for real. And the Brewers, we know how they you know are able to turn pit, turn relievers into studs. So I, I'm mm-hmm. you know really really high on McGill this year um trevor richards though super, did, i didn't realize i mean i kind of knew but like his he had 105 strikeouts last year yeah uh 100 percent 100 percentile chase rate 97 percentile whiff rate 36.8 percent whiff rate 33.3 percent k rate i mean he was missing bats at a huge rate and his last era year.
0: was like almost five
1: right so that's why no one really is paying attention to him but uh-huh. um he he went back. I mean, he just became you know, the the change, change up fastball guy, and his changeup was always you know, a plus pitch going back to when he was coming up with the Rays. Um, but he really, I mean, forty eight percent whiff rate on it last year. Uh, the fastball's not very good. That's why he he has this high ERA. But if he can figure out something, even if maybe he throws the change up a little bit more, um, he threw it fifty six point six percent of the time last year. Maybe even goes a little higher. Maybe he could be, you know, a really really elite level reliever. Um but that bull that the that, that Blue Jays bullpen is very, very deep, so I don't know what his role exactly will be next year.
0: Yeah. I I'd love him to be a multi inning guy. I love that for my, my yeah. home league. Um but yeah, that that'll wrap up all of the notable names. But literally Rick just put out three articles this past week with analysis on it, this is l- using literally in the the dictionary definition. Every single reliever he has analysis on. So make sure to go read his top fifty closers, top one hundred relievers for saves plus holds leagues, and his top one hundred relievers for holds. Uh, it, it, it's enough enough content to survive you for the next <laughs> few weeks until you're ready to read Nick's four 400- hundred starters
1: article. yeah that's that's going to take you like a, i mean if you get to start reading nick's article now to get to to get to opening day i feel like that thing is as a beast um but yeah those those sleepers bus targets late round flyers handcuffs ratios and strikeout lists we just went over to those will eventually be on the site as well um linked to those those articles that jake had just mentioned so i think next week those will be out just so you have an, an extra couple of lists and you know Nice. We're gonna have yeah the whole the whole draft guide. It's gonna have all sorts of content for you to to pour over. So yeah, I, I guess you have to start you start reading Nick's uh, four four hundred starting pitchers article now, so you can get caught up by uh That's right. by draft time. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, a great work on all of this, Rick. Why don't you go ahead and plug your Twitter and then anything else? I know you literally just put out three articles, but if, if there's anything else you're working on, go ahead and plug that as well.
1: Yeah, um you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um currently just kind of working on putting together those articles, I, those little side piece articles, I guess the sleepers bus targets, the, the little mm-hmm. um yeah, they're they're going to be linked to the those har- the the holds and the save plus holes and the closer articles as well. So, I don't know if they're coming out as separate articles. I know we have graphics for them, so just be on a lookout for those. I think next week is the plan for that to be dropped, and then after that, it's you know draft season and just updating rankings and seeing how how things go in spring training. We're close. Great.
0: Yeah, where it's it's quickly there. approaching. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. You can follow the pod at In the Pen Pod. I uh, am still writing stuff for Baseball HQ, and obviously still writing for Pitchlist. I think I'm signed up for like four or five articles for the second half of February. So <laughs> stay oh stay boy. tuned. As I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pumping them out, but that that'll be exciting. And obviously, you can go find my other work, uh, my other podcast, Free Baseball and uh, everything is all in one place over at crumplerbaseball.com but make sure to check out pitcherless.com because we've got tons of content coming out this week and the rest of the offseason to prepare you for your fantasy baseball drafts but that'll do it for this episode of In the Pen. We'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks.